You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. As Janoris Jenkins made the catch, he stayed in bounds for the interception. Wow. What a play. Wow. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always, and on this opening weekend, is Mike, the Cranky Fan. Grump, we are about 72 hours away. We are recording this on a Thursday night. I have Packers, Brown, uh, Bears on in front of me on the big screen. I got some baseball on the small screen. I have four bourbons in me. <laughs> I'm ready to go. Oh, man. And, and what, what a great weekend opening weekend of football is I think it's better than anything else in sports because you have this random Thursday night game you have your Saturday night college games um, well Saturday all day college games and then Sunday is just a whole day of sitting in front of the TV yeah it's week one is unlike any other week because everybody you know it's you may have watched some preseason game. I mean, people who watch, listen to this podcast are probably more attuned to watching preseason games than your average football fan. But this is really the first week you're going to go back and, oh, you're getting reunited with your favorite sport and everything. And, uh, yeah, I mean, my Grump is leaving in the morning to fly to Dallas for the uh, Giant game. I am leaving in the morning to fly to Gainesville for the Florida game. You know, it, we're, we're back in the routine again from now until basically, you know, Groundhog Day. It's football every weekend. Yep. For, for those of you who are new listeners to the podcast, welcome, first of all, and thanks for listening. But also, this is how the, the format is going to be going for the rest of the season. Just real briefly, Thursday night episode will be recorded Friday for Friday morning listening. It's a quick preview. Um, we go through all the major things. You're about to hear it, so whatever. Um, and then Monday night recorded for Tuesday morning is a recap and what we have to clean up from the week before, whether it be injuries, you know, coming off of a loss or coming off of a win, getting ready for a Thursday night game, all sorts of madness from that. So without further ado, we're going to jump into our week one game preview against Dallas Cowboys, Sunday 425 in Dallas. The biggest headline coming into this game is that Ezekiel Elliott has landed in Dallas, returned to the team, and signed a new contract extension for six years for a, a, a million billion dollars, whatever Dr. <laughs> Evil says. My first, my first reaction, Grump, is we have heard over the last month the Cowboys – this might be the fourth contract extension or whatever we've heard. Hmm. Where the hell are they getting this money? And how are they under the cap to afford all of these contracts? And they haven't signed Dak Prescott to something which is going to be ginormous. Well, I mean, they have the cap space to do it. Uh, they don't have any, like, big money free agents. A lot of their stars are rookies. Uh, you know, Jalen Smith, Leighton Van Der Esch, Byron Jones, um, you know, Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott. Tyron Smith is probably their big money free agent. I mean, without actually looking at their numbers and roster, I would I would expect that Sean Lee and Tyron Smith are their big money guys. And then Amari Cooper is still on his rookie contract, is he not? I, yeah, he is. We know something? He's going to want to be paid very soon. Well, that's the thing. They have the money to do these extensions. And the sooner they do them, the the, the better. Um you know these these contracts set the precedent for what comes next. So, you know, whatever. Uh, and and the Cowboys are kind of doing it right. They're getting a lot of years on there so that they can void the contract if the play declines. 
This is a very team-friendly deal, as big as the numbers may seem. But a lot of it is guaranteed money, and that is not as team-friendly because then it's still prorated out across. And if you cut a guy, they still have it gets paid forward. Yeah, the amount of the guarantee amount. Right. Um, I don't know. I you're right. I still think it's about as good as you can do with the guys well, you've me, got. Let me ask you a question, Grump. They are obviously investing in this core. Yes. For the future, is this core? Good enough to be a Super Bowl team, or are they just an NFC East division contending team? That's the question I, you have to I ask. I think yourself. it's yet to be seen. The biggest thing here is I mean, you look at Ezekiel Elliott, and I'm not going to say he's the best running back in the league because I don't think he is, but he's really good. He's very good. And I think somebody as talented as him behind the offensive line they have assembled is going to be extraordinary and going to be a menace to whoever plays them. I think when you look at Amari Cooper and what he can do, I think he's very good. Um, you know, defensively, those stars I mentioned with Jalen Smith and Demarcus Lawrence and and Leighton Vander Esch, these guys are all very, very good at their position. Whether they're ever going to be Super Bowl contenders really relies on whether or not Dak Prescott can make the next step. That's that's all it is. My my analysis of Dak Prescott is he's an average quarterback with plus mobility. He's got average accuracy. He's got average arm strength. You know, average decision making. I I don't see a whole lot of pluses to this guy other than durability I would say the, the man really doesn't miss a whole lot of games or time away at all and um he's not a turnover machine either I mean he's no I I, I wouldn't say he makes he makes average decisions you know what I mean he's he doesn't make terrible decisions but you know the turnovers come when when production doesn't for him yeah so I mean I think the core that they have is worth investing in. I think it sucks that they're stuck with Dak Prescott because you really are taking a gamble there. I mean I think you have a pretty good idea of how the careers are going to go for everybody else. Dak could stay at this level forever and they'll be worse off than had they had Tony Romo. Uh, you know, and he or he could get better and you know, they could make a real push for the Super Bowl. So, I mean, is it worth investing in? Yes. The biggest question mark, though, is at the most important position. Let me ask you a question. Where you know, as we're recording this, I have the uh, Packer Bear game right on right now, and Chicago mid third quarter has done absolutely nothing to move the ball. Do you feel going forward that the Cowboys are in a better position with Dak Prescott than the the Bears are with Trubisky? Based strictly on the quarterback position or the yes. whole offense as it is? Uh, well, I mean, the quarterback is a big driver for the whole offense. So let's leave it at quarterback for now. I would say it's pretty close, but the Cowboys are in better position than the Bears are with Trubisky. I I, I sort of agree. Yeah, I think Trubisky is extremely limited in what he's able to do. However, the Cowboys are in a much better position considering the offensive line they have constructed. Mm-hmm. And one of the top five running backs in the league, and yeah, you know, you could say one of the top five receivers in the league, possibly too. It's in the. I, I would say he's worth mentioning. I don't know that he's in there, but it's close enough to. It's in the conversation to make a debate for him. Correct. The biggest thing is, you know, as as we talk about, you know, getting back to Zeke specifically and his new contract and what this means. You know, I, I tweeted this earlier today, but I, I really want to hone in on it because I think it's important between. Beat writers for both sides, the, the the headline is 
what kind of condition is Zeke going to be in and what impact is this going to have on the game? I don't think that's going to be that big of a deal. I mean, I'm sure that not practicing with the team doesn't help him any. I'm sure he's also in pretty good shape. He's not coming in like a fat bum. But regardless, behind the offensive line that he's got, he's going to be a problem. The bigger question is going to be how the Giants are going to be on the offensive line. Because that's the biggest difference between last year's Giants team that went to Dallas and this year's, correct? I mean, we have new pieces in in two spots, and yeah. one of them got hurt in that game. I, I see the big difference is, you know, both teams took a little while for offensive lines to gel. The difference is the Cowboy offensive line we knew was an elite offensive line and just took a couple weeks to kind of ground into their elite form. We went from being an absolute sieve in that first game, which perception-wise was a lot worse the way Chris Collinsworth was going apeshit every time there was pressure on him, mm. to becoming just to a level of unacceptable. Yeah. That first <laughs> game, it was god-awful. But, I mean, the, the Cowboys, the last couple of years, have taken a couple of weeks to get you know, that offensive line into gear, into being you know as good as we think they are. I'm actually... I've said this before, the day the schedule came out, I like playing this game in week one, especially on the road. I like to get this game over with because I don't think – the Cowboys to me are a team that takes a little while to get all its arrows aligned the right way and, and start humming. And I think if you're going to pick them off, especially if you're a team that isn't as good talent-wise, get them now while they're still figuring things out. Now, I, we're I figuring think that's fair, out yeah. As well. yeah. But I'd much rather play them now in Dallas in week one than playing them, let's say, you know, two weeks before Thanksgiving, when maybe they're really starting to roll and we're kind of teetering on the, the brink of you know, irrelevance. I would agree with that, yeah. I think they, you know, personal theory is that they fall into their own hype early on and they really have to figure their shit out for a couple of weeks to, to get going. I agree with that, yeah. Um, and on, on the, the topic of offensive line for the Cowboys. Uh, Zach Martin is on the injury report. He's not been practicing. Well, I I think he's been limited, but, um, you know, he'll play. He'll start. He'll play. He'll probably finish the game. But the point is, at what percentage? You know, if if they can really get him to start struggling, any any chink in in the line there, any chink in the armor, they should exploit it. And that's going to be a big one right there if they can hit that guard position. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. You know, once you take a, a team's strength and turn it into a mediocrity or a weakness, you know it makes all that difference. Um, so that's definitely a big injury to watch on the Giants' side of the ball. Mike Remmers, who has started in every preseason game, I believe, uh, has not had a full practice yet. It was initially an illness, but also illness and his back flaring up or flaring up or continuing. We don't really know because there are no official injury reports, right? For preseason? Correct. Correct. So. They're more worried about people gambling in the regular season than they are in preseason. Yeah, so. That's why there's no injury reports in preseason. Um, you know, at what percentage he's able to play is going to be into question. So, Pat Sherman has come out to say that he's in full confidence that he's going to play and play fine. I, I have no reason to doubt him based on what I've seen so far this year. So. But the thing that scares us is that, again, we've been harping on this, the lack of depth on this team. And as soon as one guy is gone, all of a sudden, you're bringing in – you're instantly bringing chinks into the armor right there. Right away. And 
if Chad Slade has to line up across from, you know, Demarcus Lawrence, you know, we're in some serious fucking trouble. Mm-hmm. So, um, other than that, minor injuries hit the uh, report for the Giants. Really minor would be Sterling Shepard is going to play, continuing with a broken thumb. Uh, he has not really played much at all in preseason, at all in preseason, but has been practicing with, uh, you know, a thumb splint. Um, Crump, do you have any do you have any concerns at all, Grump, that uh, Barkley hasn't played one down in preseason and Eli is hasn't played much more? No. That, you know, you're going to see some rust? Uh, I mean, I think you'll see some rust. It's part of the preseason thing. But specifically about Eli and Barkley, no. Because it's, you know, they haven't played it down in in the preseason games in live action. But it's not as if they haven't been practicing where I'm worried about their timing. I'm not worried about their timing. I'm worried um, more about their kind of durability. And not durability, more their, you know. Just shaking if, the rust off. Yeah. If Saquon's going on, you know. Carry number twenty. Is he going to be just you know sucking up wind? Yeah, I, I have some some concerns about that, but it's the same concerns I have every year. Yeah, I don't I don't have that concern in week two and forward, but you know in, in week one where you know it seems like the pendulum is switched towards starters hardly playing at all, and I'm um, you know making the the model preseason going into weeks one, two, and three of the regular season, so. Yeah. That's something I'm going to be concerned or interested to see is, you know, how many carries Saquon has? What's he going to look like on carry 15, 18, 20? And Eli as well, too. Yeah. Well, I mean, as as part of a larger point, um, Saquon Barkley may be the new face of the franchise. You know, he may be a weapon that this team covets for the next six to eight years or until his retirement or whatever. But regardless... They can't have multiple years of him taking the load that he took in year one. They just no. can't. Um, so, you know, on the topic of him sucking wind, I mean, he might be the weapon. He might be the guy that teams have to game plan around, but they can't. They can't have him taking as many hits year after year as he did in year one. You know, I oh, understand I that this team is building, but they have to ensure that they continue to build to protect him. I'm just talking about week one, week two, where, you know, I'm not expecting to run 35 times a game and have 50 total touches. I'm talking about as the season kind of starts, you know, playing itself and he's getting himself into not game shape, but 60 minute game shape. You're going to see, I think you're going to see some issues in the very beginning. I think. Yeah. Um, other guys on injury report, Darius Slayton hasn't practiced all week. His hamstring continues to nag him. I think they should continue letting him go a little slow. No use aggravating something like that for week one. Um, and DeAndre Baker has practiced all week but has been out for most of the preseason with a knee issue that he mm. suffered in uh, individual drills, I think. Um, yes. I would assume he's getting the start, but that's going to be really interesting to watch. A um, little worried about that one, yeah? Sure, sure. I mean, those things can nag and drag for weeks and weeks and weeks, and before you know it – Season's a complete waste. Yeah. Um. Other than that, Dallas is relatively clean. Darian Thompson, former Giants draft pick, is did not practice all week with an ankle injury. Um, he's not the starting safety, but Dallas has a noticeably short supply of DBs on their roster. Um, 
So that can come into play, you know, if the defense is on the field for long stretches of time or, you know, simply if somebody gets banged up. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't imagine Darian Thompson getting a, a uniform on Sunday. No. The big th- biggest things to watch in this game, we've kind of covered some of it, but, you know, the biggest thing is going to be Mike Remmers versus Demarcus Lawrence. Uh, Demarcus Lawrence is a very good defensive end who likes to think that he is the best defensive end in the game. Um, <laughs> Maybe one of the biggest mouths in the game first. Yeah, I, I don't understand. The percentage of mouthing off to actually quality play, <laughs> that might be the lowest batting average in the league. Yeah. Um, he he loves saying how many times or you know how much he likes that the Giants continue to roll Eli out year after year. I don't understand the bragging, you know, when you're facing a quarterback that doesn't really have plus mobility and hasn't had an offensive line worth a shit in his entire career. You know, talk shit against your division rivals. I mean, that's just I get it. it, I get it. The rationale and logic goes out the window. It's it's Giants, Cowboys. They're going to talk shit. Both sides are going to talk shit. I get it. I get it. But you know. You you'd want stats better than three and a half sacks in your career against a guy to uh, to back up your shit talk. I would think, but whatever. Yeah. The point is, is that Mike Remmers is going to be the first tackle that Demarcus Lawrence goes against for the Giants that's worth anything. Um, you mean Bobby Hart's not worth anything? No, is that a joke? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, um, that's the uh, that's the bourbon talk. <laughs> oh man. Um, the other thing is uh, old, old Man River has returned to the Cowboys after retiring last year, um, and I have little doubt that he's going to score a touchdown in this game. Oh, you mean you mean future Hall of Famer Alan, uh, Jason Witten? You have to say How it all you in forget one. forget his name? You have to say it all in one syllable, actually. We actually don't because this is not a Chris Collinsworth, Al Michaels game, thank <laughs> the Lord. So Yeah, there won't be any knob slobbing in this one, so thank God. Let's hope. Um, but, you know, whoever the Giants trot out there to defend him better have their fucking A game because there's nothing like seeing a guy with a walker get near 100 yards receiving in a game. I, I just don't understand it. It's um, the same same problem we've had for the last decade, really, though. It doesn't it matter. Really if has it's has been like 10 years, yeah. It's not just because we have Hall of Famer Jason Witten, any tight end who leaks out there and, you know, in that scene is always wide open against this team, so – whether it's Alec Ogletree or Tay Davis or Ryan Connolly or Jabril Peppers or Antoine Bethea, whoever is covering him better fucking cover him. I, I, I just – I don't need to see it this week. This is the one year I want to not see it. Um, so, yeah. It's one of those things that's like, oh, you just don't want him beating you. You know, sure. Mari Cooper is going to beat you, fine. And Zeke's going to run for 150 yards, fine. You know, Dak is you know mobile on his feet. He's making big throws. Fine. You just don't like fuckers like him. And also, what's his name? Little Cole. Uh, that little yeah. You don't want a little bitch like that beating you. Just ugh. yeah. It never fucking <laughs> ceases to make me laugh how much you hate Cole Beasley. Because the Cowboys always seem to have a guy like that, a little shit who is just you know gets open and you know. It's third and thirteen. That bitch gets fourteen. It happens all the time, and yeah, I'm. I'm sure he's a nice guy. I'm sure everything, but he's just one of those little you know, gnats that always gives the Giants problems. Uh, the other thing that really I want to watch is um, 
Janoris Jenkins and Amari Cooper. I don't know what the game plan is going to be. I don't know if we're going to roll, you know, high coverage to help out Jenkins or not. But I would think that with a rookie like DeAndre Baker on the other side, that the help is going to go that way. And I would think that Janoris Jenkins is going to get his fair share of one-on-one matchups with Cooper. He's got to win enough of them to make to to make the game plan work. If that is the game plan, I, I can't imagine a different one, but. Um, it's really it, and it's going to be. It's not going to be easy because one thing Amari Cooper is is a good route runner. Um, it's not necessarily his speed or hands. He's he's good at getting open. I think this thing is going to start by seeing how much pressure we get. On, you know, get Dak out of his game. To you give Dak time, or he's able to roll out and stuff and find Cooper open. I think giving Janoris Jenkins little help with more of a pass rush is going to help. And we really don't Absolutely. know what this, we don't know what this pass rush is yet. We really don't. We've seen, you know, little baby, you know, sprouts of a pass rush in preseason, but not enough to say this team has a good pass rush. And if Dak is just buying his time back there and catches the, this secondary is going to have problems this year. Ruffles if we're getting sprouts. some sort of a pass rush on it, we'll have a shot. Yeah. I agree. Um, interesting enough, uh, that wasn't one of my keys to the game. My my biggest key here is, you know, whether it's Elliott or or you know Pollard or Alfred Morris, whoever's running the ball, stop it. And it, it they don't, you know, the Giants got bigger and stronger on the defensive line by adding Dexter Lawrence and and, and gaining a whole years of experience for B.J. Hill. Um. They need to control the line of scrimmage and force Dak to throw. They don't need to make the third down into a third and long. They just have to make sure that the third down call is a pass instead of a run. They need to shake the confidence that the Cowboys can make a third and three into a first down. That's what they need. Dak is an average QB who makes average decisions, and if you can force you know, his average accuracy to throw into tight windows often enough, that's when good things will start to happen. You keep saying he's an average quarterback. We might have had this conversation in the offseason or during one of our previews. You really put him in the 15 to 18 range in this league? No, I I think from a trait standpoint, I think he's average. I think he's able to do – his plus mobility is the best thing about him. He keeps his eyes downfield, but he doesn't have to. He's he's got Tebow-like size to him. With legs, does, if that makes any sense. I mean, he can, mm-hmm. he can run guys over. He can run the ball well. Um, that's his biggest above-average asset. Everything about him else is pretty average. I mean, I, I still can't shake the video in my head of him uh, throwing at targets with David Carr, who has been long retired and couldn't hit a single target. Not <laughs> one. Not one. Um, this, is a, this is a starting quarterback in this league. Not one target. Um David Carr hit all of them, a former player. So, you know, I I think in a worse organizational situation, it would be very obvious these average traits of his. But because he's in an ideal situation, he's able to use his plus mobility and he uses it well. I, I'm not saying he's a bad quarterback, but all of his traits are average. And if you can force him into situations that he's uncomfortable in, those average traits come out. Um, you know, I, I would say his intangibles are probably a plus. I think he's a good leader. I think he's got a good head on his shoulders. You know, it's it's never going to be a team. It's never going to be a team that 
And they have to rely on him just to throw it 30 times and have 300 yards passing. I have yet to see that from him. I don't think... No, I, mean, I, don't think it's, I don't think it's possible. I think if they're going to rely on him to put up volume, you know, pass attempts and volume yardage, I, I think they're getting out of their comfort zone and what they do best. I agree. Um, that's what I mean by average. I mean, right now, the way he's played in the offense he's in, I think he's played above average. Not great, but I mean, in the 10 to 15 range, maybe. Well, that's the thing also where it's interesting you're bringing that up. It's like he's the perfect fit for his situation where sure. I don't think he has that market value. You know, he's not going to go to a team like, you know, Denver and be able to say, you know, I want $30 million. I mean, it's it's the way this offense is built, the way this offensive line is built, having the running back that they do maximizes his value. So I think it's interesting if Jerry's in a cave again by paying him what he wants. I mean, I, I think he might, but that's just speculation at this point. Um, I think offensively for the Giants, if they try to test the defense sideline to sideline, there's no use in testing the speed of and intelligence of Sean Lee and Leighton Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith. It's pointless. But they should lean more on the run and get those linebackers to start biting up on the play action and use guys like Ingram and Latimer to stretch the field and test the mediocre secondary instead. I think if the Giants put too many plays in front of the linebackers, it's going to be disastrous. Too many screens, too many you know crossing patterns underneath, too many throws out to the flat, and it's not going to go very far. If they can just ease that running game, get the linebackers to start biting a little bit and then stretch deep, I think that's going to help them a lot more. Mm-hmm. I agree. And other than that, I mean, the special teams just have to keep the game in control. They can't let a big return put the game away. Um, you know, we have a Pro Bowl kicker, and if we can turn as many failed drives into three points as we can, I think we can keep the game pretty close. You know, I, I think, just think it's important that no big returns of any kind happen. No big muffed punts, nothing. If, if special teams has a quiet night, that would be a good Good game for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's going to kind of go without saying for the entire season with this team, where this team simply is not good enough to give any opponent field position, yards, three points. Yeah, but what I'm saying is that there's going to be games like against the Patriots later this year where I might say, we're going to need a big a big game from special teams this week. We're going to need a, a you know, a pinning it inside the five, you know, this I'm game, talking I think the reverse. Play, like, yeah, 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 yeah I'm talking the reverse. Like we can't have a muff punt. Oh, we no. can't have missing a 30 yard field goal. We can't have a shanked punt, you know, in the fourth quarter or something. It has to, they have to do their job and probably above and beyond what they can do to give this team a real chance to compete against teams that have more talent. So how am I flying home on Monday? How, how am I going to feel? What's your prediction? Well, we're going to come home with a loss. I think we we, we pretty pretty much we said that in our preseason things over the summer. And uh, the question is going to be, how does this team look? I I think the Cowboys are a good early season barometer of where this team is in the early part of the season. What things are correctable mistakes versus what are systemic problems that this team may have. Um. I think we're going to look a little – my gut feeling is the first half this team's going to look kind of ugly, I think. 
Again, you're going to have Eli really playing for the first time with the starting unit in, you know, not just during drills, but, you know, four or five series in the first half. I think Saquon's going to take a little bit to get some of the rust off. Um, fired up crowd, opening day on the road. They may, a lot of the things you're going to see are more correctable things that can be fixed as opposed to, Fundamentally, this team is really, really bad. Um, I don't think this team is good enough yet to win games, pulling them out of their ass where they they shouldn't be winning yet. Uh, I think this game might be a little closer than some of the pundits out there are thinking it's going to be. My guess is Dallas is going to win something like 24-14. Yeah, I think you're right. I think early on the offense is going to struggle a little bit and then slowly pick up, but a little too late. I think early on the defense is going to give up something big over the top just because of inexperience in the secondary. Um, and I think that they're they're still rebuilding and it's going to be a process over the years, but it's going to be a process throughout the year as well. We saw it last year. We're going to see it again this year, I think. I think this team is going to get better. You know, there's a chance that they they have a, a sniff at the wild card spot, but it's going to be coming late. Um, Let me ask you, Grub, what side of the ball do you expect to look a little more coherent coming out of the first quarter and after the first game? I think probably the offense. And the reason why is because you know, I think so much of the problem was on the offensive line. I think we've gotten better there. And while it does take time to gel, I, I'm encouraged by what I've seen in the preseason. I think that Barkley can do a lot with the little that he's going to gain. But on the defensive side, I think it's just growing pains are going to have to happen. And I don't see that as a quick turnaround or an in-game turnaround. I think you're going to see that week-to-week learning from mistakes. I think That's you're going. I agree with you completely. I think you're going to see. Little mistakes can be magnified so much more on the defensive side. You know, if uh, a cornerback just turns the wrong way or wrong step, that's a touchdown. Where, you know, you might see on the offensive line just a missed assignment or something, just a play gets blown up. So, yeah. This game, I, I, I think, is going to be Dallas early, Giants get closer, but it's a little too late. I think it's getting 24-19 with the Giants scoring a touchdown late, trying to go for two and missing it to you know to get into a field goal to tie situation. So I, th- I think that, that score is going to sound close, but really for most of the game it'll be further away than that. You know something? If we're in a situation where we're going for two to try to tie it or win, that to me is a moral victory. And People may say there's no moral victories in football. Bullshit. This team needs some moral victories because we are still – we are, you know, you're trying to turn a ship in the middle of the ocean. And, you know, the, the you look at, you know, look at all the pundits and like all these preseason power rankings. The Giants are universally anywhere from 28 to 31. People, you know, have – a very, 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 very negative opinion of this team, which some of it is warranted and some of it really isn't. I mean, if you're seeing a lot of six and tens, seven and nines, maybe some five and elevens, that's not the 29th, 30th best team in the league. 
So the perception of rank all the teams is different than where people think this team actually is. So if we're in a situation where we're playing a team that could potentially be a division winner, can potentially win 10, 11 games based on their schedule and their situation, I'd be damn happy if we're in a dogfight in the fourth quarter in week one. I think a team this young and this you know, this close to rock bottom just a year ago um, can take a moral victory. I think moral victories don't exist on aging teams or teams that are in a win-now mode. This is a team that can take a moral victory. So I agree with you. I think there are times when moral victories are a thing. I think this is a time where one can happen. Chicago, if they lose this game tonight, is not, or they, they're not going to be looking at moral victories after this one. No. By the way, this is... You know, this is the 100th anniversary of football. This game is setting football back almost 100 years. It's pretty <laughs> brutal to watch, by the way. Yeah. Um, I'd be remiss if we didn't spend any of this show talking about Antonio Brown um, <laughs> and how it m- in no way relates to the Giants. So why don't you take the floor? <laughs> First of all, this was a great opportunity to have the best season ever on Hard Knocks, and it was, quite frankly, one of the worst I don't think I'm ever going to watch again. It was so boring. Let's start off. You probably have the most charismatic coach in the league right now in John Gruden, who doesn't try to play the camera. He just is a character. And as much as they try to kind of catch him, you know, knock on wood, there are so many storylines to this team. You know, this is their last year in Oakland before they go to Vegas. Antonio Brown, they could do five hours a week on him. And they just, you know, sugarcoated it. Didn't even talk about either one of those storylines. I don't know if that's the NFL and or the Raiders saying, you know, getting into the production room and saying, don't play those angles. But a couple of people texted me and somebody on on Twitter, you can catch me on Twitter at the Cranky Fan, asked me, what would you give up for Antonio Brown? And my answer is this, nothing, zero. And like, even if he was for free, I'm like, well, that's not even a, you know, that's not a situation that can happen in real life. The Giants had their Antonio Brown and Odell Beckham, and they traded him. All the talent in the universe, but, you know, they can say whatever they want to say. They did not want a distracting factor in their locker room. This guy is worse. This guy is a detriment to the team. And I wouldn't touch him with a 10-foot pole on this team. Now, what's going to happen is they'll probably end up on the Patriots, and Belichick will wave his pixie dust at him, and he'll be a key cog to another Super Bowl winning team. But you know, for a guy that held out for a year, got, his, got traded – Gets his money and everything, and just is a complete disaster before you even get to a preseason game. I no need for him on my team. I don't want anywhere near the Giants. Look, I, I don't want to conflate Antonio Brown to Odell Beckham Jr. because this is above and beyond anything Odell Beckham Jr. has had has done. But here's what I'll say about that. What does it say to any locker room? Any locker room any football team, any sports team in the world, when a guy behaves like this and then you decide that you're going to put up with it, he's coming into your locker room now. What does it say to the teammates? 
you know, the only thing the only it, thing I'll it sends a bad yeah. message no matter who who it is. It doesn't matter. The only thing I'll counter with is what is Antonio Brown standing with the players in this league? Players look at situations like this different than fans and media do. These guys are all about the hierarchy and the pecking order of who's the best, who's the second best, who gets paid the most, the second most. As much as we, you know, have these visions of it's all about winning, it's all about team. And as much as players kind of say those lines for the media, I don't know if that's 100% true. So I think the whole getting this cancer in the locker room may not mean as much to today's NFL player than it did 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. So I just mean for what it, what it means for an organization to what they're going to tolerate. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. When when you bring in a guy where he is able to assert his dominance over the entire organization, I I, I just think that it I think it depends it, on the organization. I mean, again, that shit would not be tolerated with Bill Belichick. He's had divas on that team. He's had head cases on that team, and at the slightest sight of trouble, they're gone. Yeah, more likely, he gets them to. Be aligned with what they're trying to do. Now the Giants are especially in that situation because they got rid of a guy that everybody perceived as a diva. If they were to bring in Antonio Brown, the perception that this is a rudderless team with no direction gets amplified. It's like why well, do you rudderless at that point you're just you're just shooting a cannon right into the own your own ship. Well, that's what I mean. It's like, well, why'd you just get rid of Beckham if you're bringing in this guy? I mean, talent-wise, they're you know pretty similar. So why would you go through all the? Why would you, your stated reason was you know to have a cleaner locker room and just be on the same page? I, it's a, it's a non-factor. It's never going to happen with the Giants, obviously, because first of all, they don't have no they don't capital. have like the cap space to do it anyway. First of all. He's not going to come here on a minimum salary just to be like – No, I mean this is purely so, hypothetical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean anybody who's kind of like, well, what do you think? It's like, no. Well, quite frankly, on the outside looking in, I want nothing to do with this anyway. And I had um, had a pretty decent pizza for dinner tonight. <laughs> I don't think I would give up one of the slices of the pizza for Antonio Brown. I wouldn't give up one slice of the pizza for uh, Mitch Trubisky's. I'm watching this; <laughs> these ducks be throwing in the air right now. Well, there you go. You you heard it. This I wouldn't this give, I wouldn't give 99 cent pizza away for some of these quarterbacks that I see in this league. Wait, <laughs> Coming we, up we, next week on the Pizza, pizza Podcast, we talk about <laughs> Joe's Pizza. And um, in any case, I, I hope you guys all have great plans for your opening weekend. I hope you don't miss a second of it because you know. Let's also set some realistic expectations for this week, too. Okay. Lose this game. The season is not over on week one. Oh, God. Don't, you know, I, I know the my least favorite holiday of the year is Overreaction Monday, which we'll be recording at the tail end of Overreaction Monday. But try to separate yourselves from the talking heads, the hot take artists. Maybe stay off tri- Twitter if this team loses because you're going to hear, you know, validation of all these people who've been – all the sheep 
that have just been on this same storyline of how bad this team they appear to be is. You want to know an important stat to remember on Monday morning? 50% of NFL teams will lose. That's just how it is. 50% of the teams are going to lose their first game. You mean you're you're not going to make any season-defining revelations on this first week unless somebody gets, you know, out for the year and and it alters the roster of, of the team, but... You know, try to keep try to watch with your eyes and not what you're hearing around you for this first week. We're not expecting to win this game. We're going to come back next week and, and talk about what we saw, what we'd like and didn't like. You're not going to see us make any sweeping predictions about the rest of the year, about the state of what we think about Dave Gettleman. Should the mayor sell the team? Should they fold the league? Should we, you know, self-destruct the universe? So try to be in that same mind frame as well. You realize this is year two of a rebuilding project with a, a GM and a head coach. You know this is the end of the line for, for Eli Manning. This is last year. Don't try to rush the future, but don't try to assume it's the end of the world from what you're seeing. A thousand percent. So I'm not looking forward to overreaction Monday, whether we win or lose, because I, I hate having to pull Giants fans out of the gutter when – Eli Manning throws a pass that's just out of reach, but not as much as I hate having to temper Giants fans down from Super Bowl marches, you know, after we squeak out a 21 to 20 victory, you know. Well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be very honest with all of you people. I love you, our listeners, but anybody I see on Twitter calling for Daniel Jones during the game or after the game, not only am I blocking you, I'm reporting you to Twitter as offensive and harmful <laughs> tweets. So you're on report right now, everybody. Daniel Jones is not starting and not playing meaningful minutes until the team's eliminated from the playoffs. They are not being eliminated from the playoffs at 725 Eastern Standard Time on September 8th. I guarantee that. So anybody who wants to start that, you know, that drum beat, you're getting reported to Twitter. Well, there you go. That was your last warning, guys. So <laughs> be sure to uh, follow us over the weekend. I could use some restaurant um, recommendations if you've ever been to the Dallas area. So you can follow me at football underscore grump. And you can follow the podcast at Just Giants Pod on Twitter as well. In addition to subscribing for free on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Podbean, iHeartRadio. And yeah, that's, that's all of them, I think. And Google Play. Check out the grassy knoll while you're there. Check out uh, – do some conspiracy theory investigation for us, will you? I've heard, yeah. I want you to go there. Go down to uh, the book depository. Go by the grassy knoll. Just walk around that area. You know, you can do it. You can park right around. There's a parking lot. It's like five bucks to park. And just walk around and just with your own eyes report on this show, on Tuesday's show, if there was one shooter or multiple shooters. Nice. I think once you're – I'm serious. I mean, once you okay. actually go there and you see it, I'm not going to steer you one way or the other, but you will know right away, is that possible? Okay. This is Oliver the Cranky Fan Stone reporting from you, <laughs> but <laughs> you can catch me as always on Twitter at the Cranky Fan, where we have a lot going on in my universe. I am not going to Dallas this week. I am headed to Gainesville to see the home opener for my Florida Gators. Got my Tampa Bay Rays in a huge playoff race right now 
A lot going on. So hit me up on Twitter at the Cranky Fan. We can talk Giants, Gators, Rays, baseball, soccer, you name it. Um, and also check out my companion podcast, Mark and the Cranky Fan. We'll be talking all things Florida Gator football with my co-host Mark McLeod from St. Augustine Sports Radio. So we really we appreciate you guys following us, downloading us, all the things you do, and uh, we're looking forward to talking after a hopeful giant victory. And if not, we will see you at the Meadowlands next Sunday. So for the first time this regular season, let's go Giants. Go Giants.